You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's awesome. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and joining me today, I have Goldie Robinson. Hello. An art teacher out of Georgia who is just doing all of the things. You teach all of the grade levels. I do not understand how you can possibly make that work. Yes, I do. Well, of course I do because I'm magic, you know. I, I, I wish I had thought magic. Makes perfect sense. Yes. Um, That's so, the artist's secret that <laughs> we're magic. You will have to teach me your ways. That's why I have <laughs> failed at everything. I forgot the magic. <laughs> Seriously, thank you very much for finding time to join me in your schedule. And I love that you brought a different type of artist, an artist I have not covered um, from a category of art I really haven't covered. We're talking today about Alexander McQueen, the fashion designer. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I just get so excited when I hear his name. I just can't hold it in. I'm like, woo! Now, those who know me know that fashion is not exactly my strong suit. I dress in <laughs> jeans and a hoodie every chance that I get. Um, That's still and, fashion, Kyle. That's still fashion. Yes, it is fashion. It's just bad fashion. But I do look forward to learning a little bit more about the high fashion world. So starting off with a little bit of background and context, as I always like to do, McQueen, actually, Alexander McQueen is not even his given name at birth. It's Lee Mm -hmm. Alexander McQueen. Um, That's right. He was born March 17th, uh, St. Patrick's Day, 1969 in London. He was the youngest of six children, and um, as I said, he was born Lee Alexander McQueen. Some say he actually went by Alexander professionally just um, Mm -hmm. because early on he's struggling financially, and by using his Mm -hmm. middle name professionally, he could still claim unemployment benefits under his first (laughs) name. Seems a little dodgy to me. I don't know that the people in the unemployment office would suggest that. Well, you know, you do what you got to do. I mean, and his friends called him Lee. Yes, his friends did call him Lee, but professionally he was known as Alexander. Yeah. His father was a taxi driver. His mother taught social sciences. So he's coming from sort of that 
that working middle class background. And Mm -hmm. he was interested in clothing from a young age. And I guess as a kid, he started making dresses for his sisters. He left Mm -hmm. school at just 16 and he um, started taking a course at Newham College studying tailoring because, as I said, from from the get go, he knew that's what he wanted to be doing. He Mm -hmm. he started apprenticing at Anderson Shepard. Anderson and Shepherds is like a they're tailors in sort of a posh area of London known as Savile Row. Savile. I can't even pronounce Savile. English. I think it's I think it's Savile. I think it is Savile. I I one day I will go through an entire episode mm-hmm. pronouncing mm-hmm. things correctly, but that day is not nah, today. We don't need to. Like I said, sort of a posh area. He's doing an apprenticeship in tailoring. And then he gets a job as a pattern cutter. He's basically doing the standard, like, work your way up through the industry. You know, he's paying his dues, doing the grunt work, but doing it extremely well. So he had he kind of gained a reputation for his ability to make finely tailored and structured outfits. When he was 21, I absolutely love this story because to me, (laughs) it so much encapsulates like just the mindset of an artist and a young person. He's 21 years old. Remember, he had left school at like 16. He applies to be a pattern cutting mentor at Central St. Martin's College of Art and Design. So like he would be the same age as the students he wants to mentor, but he thinks Mm -hmm. he can do the job. And he wasn't entirely wrong. I mean, they looked at they looked at his portfolio and they said, clearly, we can't we can't have you teaching this. But your portfolio is so strong, we want you to come to the master's program. And so he did. He studied. He got his M.A. in 1992. And pretty much after that, like, he goes into the fashion world and he's a pretty quick success from from what I understand. You know, his dramatic flair was eye-catching from the beginning. He started off with, like, Jack the Ripper stalks his victims which, I don't know, darker than I like to go. It, he loves dark. He did love dark yeah. and dramatic. It's storytelling. It's story, you know, he definitely, he, he, he built a narrative visually. He definitely, he was into incorporating uh, pieces of his personal history in his, in his work. And he was so, I mean, just to, to go back to what you were saying about, you know, all of his education and his apprenticeship, he was so good at what he was doing. He was such an amazing tailor that he just impressed everybody so much. Um, And he really became an expert at the tailoring of the jacket and the pants and all this menswear. Um, And and then from there, he was able to, I know we're not up to this part yet, but when he built his own voice and fashion and his own style, um, he kind of has license to do that because he is such an expert. And that's something that I always tell my students that, you know, for example, with artists like Picasso or Van Gogh, they all had a very similar story, learning how to master their craft 
Um, and then they became innovators, you know, later on in their 20s, 30s and up. Um, and so I always try to tell my students, you know, we have to learn the rules before we can break them, right? So this is kind of a period of McQueen's life where he is learning the rules and then he's going to break them. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting because when we think about a theme like Jack the Ripper stalks his victims, I'm imagining a lot of deconstructed, torn things. Right. Like raw ham. You know, because when I think about th- that historical narrative, like it's it's not a it's not a clean look but he was a very fine tailor so like you say he kind of learned how to structure things and then learned how to to deviate from that and also when Mm -hmm. i'm thinking through that like lens of history what was happening culturally in the early to mid 1990s that was the grunge movement that was that was the time when society for whatever reason, Gen X just wanted to be miserable. You know, they paid a lot of money for stuff that looked like it was fished out of a dumpster. Well, it was, it wasn't for whatever reason. It was in response to other things, but yes, um, it definitely coincided with, uh, I mean, that's what great art does, right? It reflects um, what's happening in the culture at the time. So, um, he was really on the cutting edge. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't like, he was with the people. He was going out, um, you know, to clubs and to concerts and hanging out with friends. And he was very much, um, just in tune with popular culture, um, with attitudes of the time. And, um, you know, I think it was important to him to design for his generation. Um, and that 1990s, uh, being that grunge era. So, you know, his runway shows, the, the catwalk was always very, um, uh, theatrical, very dramatic. Um, and it's kind of interesting. You mentioned grunge because when I think of grunge and fashion, I think of flannel, I think of plaid, um, and McQueen didn't work with, uh, like a plaid, like flannel, but he was famous for incorporating tartan or tart, mm-hmm. tartan. I don't, I'm Southern. So I say it tartan, um, <laughs> but it's cause he had Scottish roots. I think that's a good connection because like you say, he was, he was tapping into not only sort of the the spirit of the nineties and what was happening culturally, you know, in terms of popular culture, um, with the sort of deconstructed raw aesthetic that we saw there, Mm -hmm. but he was also tapping into his own sort of personal cultural background with the traditional tartan, tartan, tartan. I like your pronunciation. Um, but like those those patterns, and those elements that give it a little bit of a personal connection. I think yes. part of what made him successful as an artist was he realized what other people were doing and what other people, what the audience wanted, but he also mm. put himself into there and his own personal mm. narrative and his own background and his own cultural heritage. And I think yeah. that's where that's where people really respond is when you tap into something, but with an authentic lens and a personal connection Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like a 
cheap marketing stunt. Yes, that's the word you said right there, connection. It's when you feel like you can connect with something and, um, you know, fashion being something that, you know, is often dismissed as, you know, maybe being frivolous or not being um, such a legitimate uh, part of the arts, but it is. It's the applied arts. Um, and when you feel like you can connect with the designer, with the artist, um, it gives it significance to you and, um, you remember it, it sticks with you. And it's interesting because I, I wasn't even a fashion major or anything. I was an illustration major, (laughs) but, um, you know, not to brag, but I did take 10 credit hours at the Fashion Institute of Technology in Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) So I was, let's just say I was learning in a building where fashion was happening. I wasn't doing any designing myself. Um, But I would say that um, Alexander McQueen has always stood out for me. Um, He always just stuck with me. As soon as I saw his work, I just immediately connected with it. Because um, he really had that, he has that special something. As you were talking about his work, um, you know, from 2010, I'm looking mm-hmm. here at the piece that you sent me first, the Jellyfish Ensemble. This was from his Plate, uh, Plato's Atlantis Spring-Summer Collection. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds, like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Um... Right off the bat, obviously, we see these gorgeous blues, and it's almost iridescent. Okay, hold on a second. I need to ask you something. Yeah. Did it knock you out of your seat when you first saw it? Were you? Did you have to hold on to your socks because it just blew your socks off? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how so, I feel about this piece. Okay, so... Um, Right off the bat, I I would say I was pleasantly surprised because uh-huh, uh-huh. I generally look at avant-garde fashion and think I, I tend to look at things through a little bit of a utilitarian lens. And I think like, OK, is this is this functional? Would this be comfortable or is this 
aesthetically pleasing? Is this nice to look at? Um, I, I try to think about like what function is this hitting? And Ooh. I would say this one, while I personally could not pull it off, um, <laughs> I think I think it looks nice and it doesn't look unbearable to wear the way that some right? some fashion I, I agree. I look at and I just I feel bad for the model to such an extent that I can't appreciate anything else because there's this poor human real. being who's trapped in there and trying not to breathe because you know everything's going to be poking and falling off and whatever mm-hmm. um this one, yeah, I, I, very real, I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was very strong. The shoes look unsettling to me. I don't know how anyone Amazing. could walk in that. Wait, should we get to the shoes first or last? Cause I we, feel like the shoes are like the centerpiece. I, I feel like, um, uh, we can start wherever you want. I want, I want to hear your read on it to start. What, what okay. are you seeing? What, why did you pick this one? <sighs> What's jumping out at you? Where to start? Kyle, I mean, I don't even know where to start on this. It's like, I feel like I'm like a sports announcer right now. I need to do a play-by-play on this ensemble. Let's start with the shoes, okay? Um, The shoes in this ensemble are um, referred to as armadillo boots. These, this design is, was, and always will be, yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever after. This is a McQueen signature. Um, this sculptural, I, I, let me describe it because I know this, this is an audio medium. Okay. So let me do my best here. Imagine a stiletto shoe. Okay. And then, okay. Imagine that like at the ankle, instead of the shoe following the line of the arch of the foot, it like curves outward into like a crab's claw kind of look. I love that you describe that as like just the height of fashion. And I'm looking at that as just like that feels torturous. I could, I could not imagine wearing something like that. Um, it's so good. It's so it's, genius. I'll tell you what. It's this biomorphic shape. It looks like something like Juan Miro would have designed in a painting, not for a human being to try to shove their foot into. You know what it reminded me of? Do you remember, do you know the, the sculptor, um, Constantine Brancusi? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can so see that. It reminds me of like a, right? Like the, the lines. And in, uh, in college, I was really into, uh, Brancusi sculptures. Um, and then in high insight, I'm like, maybe that's why I like those armadillo boots so much. Cause they have a very similar feel. Um, it's almost like a ballerina on, on her toes all the time. Yes, exactly. Um, it's actually, there's like a secret to these shoes because, um, I mean, I hope everyone's going to Google them, but uh, they're, it's actually like a, like a modified ballet flat. I don't know all the engineering behind these boots, but um, there are, I did find on YouTube, there are some DIYs of how to make them. I, I'm not interested in making them. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I'll break, break my ankle if I try to, to wear them um listen if someone approached me with a pair of armadillo boots and said would you try these on the answer is absolutely i would i would try them on i would just like trot around my house i would just do the dishes in them i would just make dinner in them and i would feel amazing and 
I mean, this is McQueen. He wants women to feel amazing, to feel powerful, to feel like at once feminine, but also just like a force to be reckoned with. And I feel like this ensemble is so powerful. It's so visually impactful. You see this image of this of course, the model is statuesque. They're like seven feet tall. So I'm imagine if I imagine it on my five foot four body, like which I love to I love to imagine myself wearing it. I'm just like in it, you know. Um, it's a different a different take. However, <laughs> however, um, you know, it's very engaging somehow. This ensemble, this outfit. It's like you see this this. Uh, it's like a okay. It's a dress on top with leggings, and then you've got these armadillo boots on the bottom. The dress on top has these three-quarter length sleeves and a high neck, and then that comes, it's like a bit above the collarbone. It's not quite a turtleneck. It's completely covered in iridescent paillettes. Speaking of pronunciation, that's a tough (laughs) one. Paillettes, paillettes, we don't know. It's sequins. Okay, it's iridescent sequins covered in these, which you know were like hand-stitched with love, and it's just so they're gorgeous. So you've got these sleeves that then kind of bell out in this like voluminous silhouette that uh, reminds you of a jellyfish. Um, And then you've got this skirt that comes out um, again into like just volume. It's almost like in like a bubble shape. It's like a bubble skirt um, is what they used to call them. I don't know if it's still called that. Um, Also just covered in paillettes. And then the leggings, um, actually have in like within the sequence he's used this um, like variation in the shades of the sequence to create this look of like tendrils like how a jellyfish has tendrils um, and this outfit is just it's bananas it's so good um, and the cool like pop culture story behind it um, is that um it was actually given to Lady Gaga to wear for the Bad Romance video by Alexander McQueen as a thank you because Lady Gaga gave the single Bad Romance to Alexander McQueen to play during the Plato's Atlantis show, actually as during the finale. Um, And he just loved her so much and saw her as such a muse and was so grateful for the song. He sent her a box just full of clothes from that show, which... I mean, it's such a dream. I can't even imagine getting something like that in the mail. And then um, she wore um, the full jellyfish ensemble in the bad romance video. Um, and so they close up a lot. They do a lot of close-ups on the, um, the armadillo boots. Um, and that's actually when I first saw them from that music video. And I wasn't even so familiar with McQueen at that time. Um, and that's what actually kind of, I mean, I knew about him, of course. But that, I was just like, he's over-the-edge genius, like, on another level of innovation. I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but I think there's something about uh, an art, a designer, an artist, like, when you can't get them out of your head, like, when you're just kind of blown away and you're like, I, I understand that, I understand that I will never understand you. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and I there 
there are a lot of things that you said there that I think are, are really interesting. One, the, the connection to the iridescent sequins and everything like that, it creates this texture almost like fish scales. And as I look at the detail Ooh. shot of those armadillo boots and stuff, it almost takes on the silhouette of like a mermaid's tail or something like that coming yes. down from like the calf down to the, the bottom of the, the shoe. Like the shoe almost becomes, as I said before, yes. a biomorphic shape. It's almost like a fishtail or something like that. And you mm-hmm. talked about her seeming sort of feminine, but also powerful. And I think that's, I mean, I, I hate the idea that there's like any sort of perceived contradiction between those two tones, but let's face it, culturally <laughs> for a long time, there has been that perceived contradiction. And I think what makes her seem strong and feminine and soft all simultaneously is the fact that the the dress has this flow to it. Like it has this movement almost like water. It's shape shifting the way that it, the way that a jelly would be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and simultaneously the, the boot has this structure to it and it, it's such a heavy shape at the bottom there that mm-hmm. it, to me looks confining, but at the same time, I cannot help but imagine like you're almost forced to sort of stomp through the world in that shoe. Like there just seems to be this weight visually at the bottom that is going to make each step a little bit stronger and more purposeful and create that, that stature and that, that poise that is required to pull it off, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think I, I didn't even think of that. That is absolutely true. Yeah. And I think that's what creates the interesting mystique here is there's this Mm. play with almost seemingly contradictory things, but he gets it unified. He gets it to all work together Mm. through the commonality of the, the sequins and the iridescent colors and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Like he ties some elements throughout, but then changes other things, you know, with the, the contrast between the structure of the shoe and the flow of the the dress for example mm-hmm. yeah it's a great juxtaposition but uh, yeah, amazing contrast there for sure gosh he's just such a yeah. like doing the equivalent of like acrobatics in the art world basically to just exactly like you said creating unity um like within this outfit it's not easy he was he's doing insane incredible things the other thing that I'm struck by as somebody who's not had any real training in in fashion or anything like that, like I'm not personally invested in it beyond having watched Project Runway 10 years ago. Um, so good. Such a good show. Uh, but it's like the first couple seasons as somebody who as somebody who is not really into that world and into that scene. As I mm-hmm. look at this piece, it's accessible to me. And I, I yeah. like that there's that entry point where I don't need to do a lot of, a lot of research to see and appreciate, like just visually right from the start, like, okay, there's a nice silhouette and the color scheme looks good and the shapes are interesting and there's a nice flow. It's workable. It it actually seems like it's not too far from ready to wear, you know? Um, but I mean, it's clearly meant to be almost a 
you know, sculpted object or something like that. I mean, it's not made to go in a variety of sizes and in different contexts. I mean, you would look kind of ridiculous wearing that to the grocery store, but I mean, I wouldn't, but I mean, maybe someone else, (laughs) you know, wear wear what makes you feel good. (laughs) I, I, I wouldn't feel good in this outfit. Um, but you know, it, um, it it looks like I said it's accessible to me from the start. I can understand the ideas. I can immediately visually see the connection to Atlantis and jellyfish and all, all of that sort of stuff that he's referencing in the collection. And so I like I you, that it makes sense from the start. Yeah, go ahead. Can I tell you what else I really like about it um, as an art teacher? And I don't know if. It's- you appreciate this also, but just the simplicity of it being about an animal, like art projects that are about animals are always pretty much a hit in the art room, I think, with kids um, and and adolescents. It's like when you can make art that is about animals or, you know, something about nature, it's so universal. And I, I just find that that kind of subject matter is really good at kind of engaging everybody. You know, we all live on planet Earth and nature. <laughs> so, yeah, it's something we can all kind of, I mean, everybody loves animals. Everyone loves a jellyfish, you know? Well, I, I, and love it, love it or, or not, everybody has some connection, some thoughts, some entry point there. Like you said, it's universal. And I think, I think universality is a good theme to hit on. I tend not to like things that are overly esoteric. Like I I don't think I would like this Mm -hmm. as much if it were titled something about Poseidon and, you know, like I I just, (laughs) as I said, somebody who is not of that that world and doesn't know a ton about fashion. I like that he gives us an easy entry point and a way to, to understand it, even if we don't get too deep into the weeds on it. Yeah. 100. I'm wrapping it up. I want just a three point rating scale. And where should this hang? The loo? Is this something to look at? The lab? Is this something to learn from? Or the loo? British for the bathroom. Yeah, there's a three joke in there somewhere. Oh, that's terrible. Um, I'll take option four, my closet. (laughs) (laughs) I always love when people are 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 comfortable to break the format. I so (laughs) listen. I I learned the format, and I'm going to break the rules. Okay. Um, No, I'm just kidding. I think this is hands down. 100% 100% a piece that belongs in the <laughs> in the lab. I think this is a lab piece. Do you agree or disagree? I'm trying to guess from your face. I can't tell. Nobody can tell from my face. I'm I'm sorry you have to see my face. I would actually put this in the museum. I, to me, this is a museum oh. piece because of the yes. fact that, like, I I recognize I recognize finely crafted stuff, um, and 
innovation in the the medium and like high quality there. I think there's a conceptual bent to it that works, and I think Sorry, it works. Me. I think I it really works visually. <laughs> no, I I think I think it works on multiple different levels and to me that's kind of what the museum is for. It's that piece that uh-huh. you can know nothing about but still see and appreciate and take something from and you can study and know a ton and find deeper levels of meaning and connection to it. And I feel like this mm. is this is one that kind of ticks all the boxes, um, at least from my perspective. I, I feel like it's a, a really strong piece, and I feel like I'm probably in good company because I think this is at the mat, right? I mean, it's... It, it, I don't know if it still is. I know it was. Um, it's been in the museums. Just, yeah. It, you really just kind of changed my mind a little bit. Now, now I'm questioning uh, my whole... Uh, my whole stand on this. Um, I w- would, I, God, I kind of agree with you. I mean, at first I was thinking labs. So I was like, well, it's the applied arts, it's clothing. Clothing is meant to be worn and I would love to wear it. So it, this is like lab all day, but oh no, now that you said that, I'm like, you know, it kind of is, I mean, it really is a sculpture. I would like, okay, so here's what I love about fashion and also any sculpture is that there could be more than one, right? So I'm like, I would like to have my version of jellyfish ensemble, okay? And that I could like experience and touch and feel and wear and all the things. But also I would like for it to be admired in in the Louvre at the same time. Gosh, it's so, it's hard. It's hard because clothes are meant to be worn. But at the same time, I, it's, uh, that's a toughie. But I'm going to stick with lab because I, I really feel strongly that we should be wearing our clothes and there's a lot of joy to be had in clothing. Fair enough. And it's <laughs> fine to say it's cross-categorical too. But I do have to say thank you so much for taking the time and helping me to learn about an artist and really an art form that I have long been ignorant about. So thank you very much. Uh, Goldie Robinson, really appreciate your taking the time. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your awesome show. Um, And gosh, it was, was really fun. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted? If you found this tolerable, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week in the show notes on Twitter at WoodArtEd and on the website WhoArtedPodcast.com. Podcast done.